Today's guest is Bonnie Meyer. She has had over 40 years of alien contact. She is the author of the book, Alien Contact, The Messages That They Bring, Unholy Alliance, The Government Involvement That Has Happened, Interference, and The Ways We Are Tracked. She has also produced two DVDs about UFOs and aliens, and today we are lucky enough to get her on our podcast. Beverly, thank you very much for giving us some time today. I really appreciate it. Well, I'm glad to be here. Well, let's just start at the beginning. How did you become interested in UFOs in the first place? I was not interested in UFOs or aliens or anything like that. I thought, eh, people are maybe a little crazy believing in that stuff. And my girlfriend got involved with uh, a UFO group, and I thought they were just taking her for a ride. (laughs) So I got involved to prove that they did not exist. And I was shocked (laughs) when I found out that they did and had so many encounters with them. Mm. So it was kind of a, I don't want to go there. I don't want to do that. (laughs) And here I am. Mm. So what was the first thing that happened that convinced you that aliens are real? Well, uh, through the years of investigating, and I used to go out and sit at night and watch the stars and saw many things that could not be a star, nor could they be anything that we had in the heavens because these things made erratic turns, they crisscrossed in the sky. Uh, Sometimes they seemed like they were playing tag. And I knew that something was different. These were not of Earth origin. And um, I started going to a UFO group in our area. And uh, my husband and and two girlfriends and all their kids, all 11 of them, decided to go on the 4th of July weekend in in 1976 to go camping. And my girlfriend and I decided on Saturday night to go to a UFO meeting. So we left my husband and the girlfriend in charge of all 11 kids Mm. from six to 16. And uh, we went to the UFO meeting and we had promised we would back back early. And so we left about 10, 10 at night and I was driving and on the way home, I decided to take a country road, the back way into the campground. And I remember seeing the Bain City sign. And then I saw a UFO come down and hover over the road. It covered the whole road in both ditches. This was the country, so there's ditches in the road. It covered from both ditches, the whole road. Coming down and it hovered over the highway. Not the highway, the road. And an alien walked out. And... I was so shocked. My girlfriend was shocked. And I got out of the car and hid behind the door because I wasn't sure what was going to happen. And he kind of signaled, you know, come on, come on over here. We want to talk to you or something. And I shook my head no, and he turned around to leave. And at that point, I thought, boy, this is stupid. Here's your chance to find out what really exists, 
who they are, what they are. And all of a sudden I was inside the craft. I was inside the craft. I saw the aliens. Um, their heads came up to about my shoulders and I'm five, six. And it was much larger on the inside than it was on the outside. It was circular. It had windows about three quarters of the way up. There was three panels in the room. Um, the one panel was all lights that were blinking, different colors and things. Another panel had all kinds of different signs on them that I knew must have been a language. You know, like on the bathroom doors, almost any country you go to, you see the woman or the man, you know that's that bathroom. I instinctively knew that these were signs that almost anyone who was driving it would know what they meant. And the other one had signs, and I, I just couldn't make out what they were. And and the aliens had on like a jumpsuit, kind of silver in color. But I couldn't see what their faces were because they had like a helmet on. It was black in the front. And as I was looking around, they didn't seem to be upset by my looking around. And I got the impression in my head that I, if I... I, if I wanted to drive, I could sit down on the seat in the center panel and I could drive the vehicle. What the heck? I sat down. Hmm. <laughs> I knew I shouldn't touch the red button, but I, I touched the green one. And all of a sudden, the, sh the ship I could see, there was a, like a screen at the height I could see out of. And I could see trees and grass and stuff. And when I hit the green button, all of a sudden, the trees, I was up above the trees and I was heading towards the stars. And I couldn't believe how fast this was going. And I drove a little while and I just, you know, and I tried to get down again and it, it flipped down. But I didn't feel the actual descent or ascent. It was like it, we were in a bubble. Mm -hmm. And wherever the ship said, I was still in the upright position. Mm -hmm. But my stomach did flip-flops <laughs> like when you're driving in a car pretty fast and you go over a big bump and your stomach kind of goes woo and you feel it well that's what it felt with with the ship when it was doing that but i didn't feel like i was gonna you know tip over or anything and uh so which is, i just mulled around but i didn't see my girlfriend the whole time i was in there i knew she was there someplace but i didn't see her but then, uh, after a short period of time, they dropped us off. And I thought, well, this is very strange, you know, especially when I looked out and my car was there. Did they bring me back to where I originally was? And I got out and I couldn't recognize anything. They left us off in an area where I knew we couldn't have been because the, the town we were coming to was New London and there's the river runs through it. There's two bridges. You have to go either to one side of the bridge. You have to go over one bridge or the other one to get to the other side. And we were way over to the other side and on a highway 54 that would connect to Green Bay. So it took a while driving around 
and there was no trouble starting the car. It started perfectly fine, even if the lights were running when we got off. And finally, I figured out what had happened. So I drove back to the campground and my girlfriend came out of the, the camper and she says, where have you been? You said you were coming back early. Do you know what time it is? And my friend and I said, no, what time is it? She said, 1.30. So that was the first experience. And that was about the time we had been hearing about lost time. And uh, so we decided that maybe we better try to figure out what really happened in that time besides what I remembered. And uh, it took us a while because neither one of us had any money. <laughs> we were always broke at that age. Mm -hmm. And uh, we finally found um, a doctor in Milwaukee, which is about an hour and a half drive from where we live. And he was interested. He wasn't really interested in UFOs, but he used uh, hypnosis in his treatment of his patients for pain. And he said, I'll work with you free if you come down here. So we went to him and uh, he helped us realize what actually did happen and gave us uh, the power to remember anything that happened during any of our experiences. But he was so nice and we went back a couple times telling him how we were progressing and what we were really understanding that was happening in our lives. And this one time we went to see him and we were in his office and he allowed us to tape everything that happened there. Cause I said, I wouldn't do it if he didn't allow us to tape it because I didn't know what was going to happen. And we were sitting in his office talking. You hear, you could hear the doorbell ring on, in the outer office as people came in, you could hear the, the uh, typist typing the secretary and um, it was recording all this time. And so we were talking and talking and nothing seemed to happen. But we were just talking back and forth and getting to know each other very well. And when we left, I took the tape and I played it. And on the tape was the doorbell. It was, you could hear the typing and you could hear us talking. And all of a sudden, you heard whoop, 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 like a helicopter. And all of a sudden, you could hear like a mic being turned on. Yes, we have it all on tape. And then the click and the whoop, 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 and it got softer and softer and softer as you could hear the helicopter going away. And we were so shocked that we, the next time we went to the, the uh, hypnotist, we played it for him, and he couldn't believe what had happened. He just could not believe it. So we've had all kinds of strange things that happen. Actually, every time I went to him, our house was entered. It was gone through. Um, all the information we have was gone through. Uh, at one time, a gray work shirt was left in a small size. My husband is a two extra large and nobody was in the house that size. And it was left on the bed 
Another time, a pair of gray garden gloves were left. And another time, I came home and a bouquet of black flowers were left on the porch. And I took that as a warning to back off, which I did for a couple of years. I did back off. Uh, not only for that reason, but because I had kids in high school. And it was getting around what I was into and the was causing them a problem at school. So I kind of backed off for them along with the idea of black flowers usually means death <laughs> or something like that. But afterwards I got back into it more powerful than before because I remember going on the ship. I met uh, one night I Went to bed and I couldn't sleep. I got up. My husband had to go to work the next day, so I decided to sleep on the couch. So I covered with the blank, with the blanket, and all of a sudden there was a bright light in the room, and um, some aliens came in that looked like uh, a light source. They were so bright and bright, I couldn't hardly see it. Even with my eyes closed, I could see the light almost like. When you're on the beach and your eyes are closed, the sun seems to penetrate and you can see the light. So I um, looked and there was three beings in there and they said, come with us. And so I got up and two went in front of me, one behind. We walked through the door and I said, how is that possible? Well, we can do that. And we walked across the street. There was a UFO in the field. And there was cars going by, and we lived on the street, and then there was a field, and then there was a highway. So it was a lot of cars on the highway, but it was like, you know, 11 o'clock at night, so there wasn't that many. But no one stopped or looked or anything. So I got in the, in, in the craft, and they started to leave, and they said, uh, there's someone that wants to meet you. Okay. So they took me up to this ship, which was huge and i learned later it was approximately 40 miles across and 38 miles high we uh went to the bottom of the ship and there we went up and it was almost like a in a marina where there was docks and ships were tied up to the to the stocking and i went in and this ship was so huge and it was so unusual to me that there was no light fixtures that you could see, but it seemed like the walls and the ceiling were radiating light. There was no doorways, so I assumed that they were all slid, you know, instead of opening and closing like our doors, that they slid, which would make sense when you have a hallway, you know, <laughs> you don't want doors opening and closing them. And they took them up to this place that we stood and opened up, and it looked like... Uh, a lift that they have in England that kind of looked like that. And we went up and we got out. And they said, please go to the next room. The person there wants to see you. So it took me a little while to actually go through the door because I didn't know what I was going to see. And I went through the door and I saw this being and he is on the cover of my book, my first book, Alien Contact. And 
He was blue, <laughs> over seven feet tall. And he didn't have, it was blue skin, but he had like a fine dawn all over his body. His head almost looked like a eagle. He had a beak. And he had uh, long arms, legs shorter than his body would look like it should be, you know. And they had no, they were kind of yellow. And his fingers had five fingers with like talons on the end of them. And uh, he put out his arms like he wanted to hug. And I went and I got a hug. And all of a sudden I realized, I think I'm home. I think this is where I belong. And um, then he took me into another room where there was a meeting going on. Uh, <laughs> there was 16 chairs at four tables. There were 16 beings in the room. There was a chair in the front with one, uh, one chair at a desk. And all these different types of beings were milling around. And it was such a difference in the color that the people had. And I call them people because they had all had bodies, two arms, two legs, and a head. You know, the skin was different. The colors was different. The sizes were different. Some were tall and thin. Some kind of looked, I talk on the Pillsbury Doughboy. He was kind of white and about as round as he was tall. And he said, this being that I later learned his, to call him Eric, he said, this is what we wanted to show you, that there are many beings here at this time who are not abducting. They are here to help the planet and help the people in the transition that is coming. And I got to talk to a few of the groups, and I asked questions, and one group seemed to be interested in the people and how to take care of them, what you like to eat, what you were about, and everything. Another group was interested in the plants and things that we had on our planet. And then there was a third group that I call goof-offs because they were very much like us. They were laughing and having fun and joking. I couldn't understand half what they were saying, but I assumed joking. And um, then, then it was time to, well, they served me a drink. <laughs> And it's very, it was very unusual. It was kind of like, uh, it was blue and it looked like jello just before it sets up. You could roll it in the glass. It was thick and it didn't taste like anything. So I tried it. Okay. That must be what you drink up here. I don't know. But anyhow, it was time to leave. So I left and I came back and I, these beings took me back into my living room. I got on the couch, they covered me up, and they left. I then got up and went to bed. I tried to wake my husband. I could not wake him. Mm. We have a dog. The dog was very sensitive to anything moving around in the house, and he barked if anything was around the house. 
he was out cold. I, I even touched him with my foot to try to move, you know, to get him to wake up a little bit. He wouldn't wake up either. I la- later learned that they had put him in a suspended state so they would not wake up and find me gone and be upset. So that was my first knowledgeable trick where I had 100%, I think, remembrance of what happened. And since then, there's been a lot of that that I've gone on board the ship. I've, I've uh, suggested things to the aliens because they wanted to know why, why do you people on planet, you have the same problem, but you all have different answers to the problem. You all have a different way of, of trying to solve it. I said, well, that's just the way we are. That, you know, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. And they said, well, we don't quite understand that part of human minds. So, anyhow, but through the years, I've met um, three different aliens face to face. And they allowed us and to ask questions of what their life was like. Uh, what they eat, what they think, uh, do you marry, do you have children, do you, you know, why are you here? They, many questions we just asked, and they just kept answering our questions. There were times when, he, when we asked some questions about the government or what about the secret government and all this kind of stuff, and they said, we won't answer that. Well, why won't you answer it? Well, you know, if you knew the answer, you may be in trouble. Mm. So, okay. <laughs> they didn't answer us. But, uh, so my first, first book is basically about the aliens I've met, how I got into this, and how I started the channeling. I do, well, I did channel mm-hmm. for almost 35 years. And we talked to many different types of aliens. And uh, during this whole process, I have I had a couple of experiences where I thought I might die, and I did meet Jesus. And so now, not only did I have the alien issue, but I have a Jesus issue. And I thought, oh my God, I can't talk about this stuff. They'll really think I'm crazy. Mm. <laughs> oh, so that's uh, basically my story. The second time when you went to the alien ship, I think you said you walked through the wall and then you went to the ship. It was like across the street in a field. It sounds like to me you went into a different dimension because you could you were passing oh. through walls in this dimension and Maybe. then... Would you agree with that? They don't call, because I asked that question. Hmm. They don't call it a dimension. They call it a vibration that allows you to do that. It's a change in the vibration, the molecules in your body, how they vibrate, Mm -hmm. allows you to do that. Hmm. And uh, (laughs) it shocked me. I'll tell you, it shocked me. I stopped right on my porch and said, how did that happen? You know, yeah. Well, <laughs> I that, couldn't believe that I did it. 
it makes sense because it must have been vibrating at a different rate where we could not see it anymore if it was right out and open in front of everybody. Right, right, right. And uh, they do say that they have to lower their vibrational level to come to the planet. Mm. And they have been here. Well, the ones that look pretty much like us anyhow, <laughs> they have walked on the planet. Mm-hmm. One of the aliens that I speak to a lot, of, uh, she said, call me Mon, because you can't say our name mm-hmm. in your language. And uh, she uh, explained that, you know, they have to lower their level of vibration, which is very hard. Mm-hmm. But they are willing to come down and look and talk to people on a planet mm-hmm. because there is a natural transition that is going to happen. All planets go through it. And that is the raising of the vibrational level. But there's so much negativity going on on the planet mm-hmm. that they don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of here keeping track of it. And if they have to, they will take people off the planet. And they said, God will not allow the planet to be destroyed. But people, you know, that's your choice. If you want to destroy yourself, that's your choice. But if your vibrational level can meet theirs uh, on their ships, you would be welcome. Hmm. They take you off and bring you back hmm. when it's when the planet is the way it's supposed to be. And all the negativity has been removed. So it's a very complicated story, and I don't really quite got all the pieces put together. It's like a puzzle. Right. (laughs) Did they tell you how they traveled from their planet to this one? Because even if you travel at the speed of light, it's a long ride. So did they kind of travel vibrationally, interdimensionally? Did they mention anything to you about that? They said they travel mostly by thought. And I don't quite understand that. Mm. But man, who uh, is so far away from us, she said it takes 93 minutes from her planet to our planet, no, that does not include getting into the into the atmosphere. It takes longer to get in the atmosphere to the planet mm-hmm. than it does for them to leave their planet to get in space where they can travel like that. Mm-hmm. And I, I, my thought, and she says, well, thought can bend almost anything. You can accomplish almost anything with your thoughts. But it takes a lot of uh, experience. It's not something that you can half-heartedly do. Uh, But their ships are equipped so that it can be done. When you hug the being that had a beak and you felt like you were home, do you think it's possible in a past life you were an alien? Uh, yes, I believe I was now. I didn't years and years ago, but I do believe I've been on other planets. Hmm. Yeah. On the very first ship that you saw when you were with your friend in the car and you, he parked it right in front of you, what did that ship look like? It was huge. 
It was so huge. Uh, it could not come anywhere near our atmosphere. And I asked, how could you build something this big on a planet? And they said, we can't. This is built in space. And we are self-sufficient. They grow their own food. They have water on the planet. They have grass. They have trees. They have flowers. All this stuff. And they grow their own food. So it's self-sustaining that they do not have to go to any planet for these resources. Now, I asked, well, how do you make the ship move and they said uh, no we can't share that with you because you wouldn't understand it anyhow and I said well all I know about a car is you turn the key the engine starts I'm happy if it doesn't I have no idea what's going to happen mm-hmm. and they said, well it's kind of the same way you know but uh, they said some of our ships are actually run partially by brain power not fully, but partially. And I said, wow, what happens if somebody goes a little goofy up there? They have to be removed because they could actually destroy it, mm-hmm. the ship, if they weren't calm, cool, collected <laughs> individuals. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I just couldn't understand a lot of things they were telling me, and I still don't mm-hmm. because I'm not mechanically or anything like that so you know those kinds of questions i only ask once in a while (laughs) right if you would have never got involved in this ufo group from the very beginning with your friend and you didn't believe it do you think that you would have had this alien experience i i i'm not sure um because i always felt like I was missing something, like I was here to do something or to accomplish something besides being a wife and mother, you know, something beside that. I thought there was something I I was here for. So maybe eventually I would have found it. I I don't know. I think, you know, it has crossed my mind many times. And all I can say is I think maybe I would have. Eventually, but mm. maybe not quite as soon. Do you think they found you? Well, according to them, I did come from uh, another planet. And I came here. And that's why I came here was to try to help at this time. Because they, there are so many negative aliens here that are abducting and raping people who are taking sperm, taking, you know, eggs, showing people that they have a hybrid up there. And I said, there are two factions here. Hmm. And people need to know that there are positive aliens that are here only to stand by to help if we need it. Otherwise, they will not interfere. They will give suggestions, ideas, but we have our own will. God gave us a will to do, you know, what we believe in. So 
But there's the negative ones that are here, and they want to take us all to that side. <laughs> they want control of this planet. Are they fighting each other in space? Yes, there are battles going on in space. Yes. Hmm. Although they have put a blockade up, so there's not that many negative aliens coming here anymore, except the ones that are already here. Hmm. So... um they are. They have battles because they try to come in and they try to keep them out. But sometimes they get in. It's just like anything else because they do not believe in using force. Uh, they believe that you can only meet force with equal force. You cannot initiate a battle but you have the right to stand up if someone starts it. So they try to do everything to avoid a battle, but sometimes it's necessary. Hmm. <laughs> it sounds like the ones you met were friendly and it was a positive experience, but then you mentioned you had black roses on your doorstep. So who left those? Well, I think that was from humans. Humans? Because I the government interfering with me a lot through the years. My phone has been tapped. Uh, the house gone through. Um, everything that I've had has been searched. Um, my computer is always giving me problems. Every time I try to do something with this, something tries to block me. And uh, I, I just... I think it's the government who I believe are working, a lot of the governments and the government people, I should say, are working with the negative aliens and have been for years. Mm. And I do talk about that in my second book, The Unholy Alliance. And there's been quite a few alliances made through the years. So... I guess somehow the government found out that you were in contact with the positive ones. Yes. Well, I think they wanted to stop it. Mm. Interesting. Um, in your, one of your books, you, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm still here. Yeah. I'm doing the same. It didn't stop me. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they just scare you, but they don't follow up on it. Well, I, I won't let, I mean, it takes me aback when it happens, but I have to regroup and realize that I have a lot of people on my side and mm -hmm. good. Mm -hmm. So I just get back into it again. In one of your books, you mentioned the ways we are tracked. Can you tell us about that? Oh, yes. Uh, many of the abductees are tracked with implants, mm -hmm. uh, which I have one of. <laughs> we hide it, we move it, we do everything to keep it out of anybody's hands. But um, the good aliens, they do not use tracking devices. They said every person has a vibration. Everyone is different. And they have a computer that once they have made contact with you, it's always registering on their computer and they know exactly where you are at any time. Mm -hmm. um, 
because a few times I was in some jams and I thought they got me out of them. <laughs> you know. Uh, so, like being on a lonely country road and my car was acting up and my alternator light was on and there was no houses around and I knew instinctively I had to keep my foot on the gas pedal and if I came to a corner and I put my brake on, I still had to have the, my foot on the gas pedal to keep it still running. And I got home and I wrote my husband, I told him what happened. And he said, well, I'll take the car to work tomorrow. So just don't drive it. He came home and looked at it. He says, I don't know how you got home. The belt on the radiator had notches cut out of it. And he said, you shouldn't have gotten home. It should have snapped. Mm-hmm. Because it was around the whole belt. Little notches cut out of it. Mm-hmm. And he says, you were very lucky. And I said, I think somebody was watching over my shoulder to get me home safe. So what would have happened out on a lonely road and you know, 11, 12 o'clock at night? A woman? Nah, mm-hmm. you never know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whenever you feel like you're in trouble or in a bad situation, is there a way you can call out to them and maybe they'll come help? Uh, all, all I all I say is, I need help. Jesus, my friends out there, please help me. Keep me safe. I was in uh, Central America on a bus on a mountain. And it was raining, and it was almost getting slippery. And we were going down the mountain, and the bus, it was all curves, you know, curves coming down the mountain so that you didn't speed too fast. And uh, you could feel the back end of the bus slide over. Well, on the side of the road, it's a direct drop-off. And I was scared, and I thought, Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Am I going to die here in a foreign country? Nobody will know where I am. (laughs) And uh, all of a sudden, a gentleman on the bus got up, came over to me, patted me on the arm and said, don't worry, we're all protected. And he turned around, walked away and sat down. I never saw him again. And I did get back safe. But this gentleman just picked I don't know why he came over and talked to me but he calmed me down mm-hmm. I have to say that mm-hmm. just told me we were all safe mm-hmm. so I don't know it was the intervention by them or whatever but anyhow I got back safe <laughs> and I was happy so I was really scared yeah. with the bus swerving that would drop off right by the tires I was never so scared as I was that time you so. mentioned you mentioned earlier <laughs> that you encountered or you had an experience with Jesus. Can you tell us more about that? About what? About you met Jesus or you encountered Jesus or something? Can you tell oh. us more about that story? Oh yes. Um, well, <laughs> I had a couple near death experiences, oh, and wow. I met him three times. He came to me and talked to me. And one time he had three angels with him with no wings. They had no wings. 
but they were white. And uh, he told me I, I had a rough old go, but I can't survive. And um, a lot of that is on, on our uh, blog. I have the whole thing of how all this happened because it's a very long, complicated story. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but the aliens said that he is the most wonderful being that there is. He's the most kind and gentle person. And he interacts with them on this ship. And he meets with a lot of different aliens. And he has given lectures on board. And uh, mom said she snuck in one time because she wanted to see what was going on. You know, typical. She's mm -hmm. a lot of like us, you know, you want to know what's going on when you're not invited. And she said he's talked. And everyone in the room, no matter where they were from, what planet were they from, whatever they spoke, they knew what he was saying. He spoke like with pictures in everyone's mind so that they knew what he was saying and understood without any type of translation at all. Hmm. And that he can do with anyone. And he does all the time. So anyone who says to you, oh, I can't speak to Jesus, I have to, somebody inter interpret it for me. No, that's not true. You need no one to interpret it interpret what he's saying to you because he can speak to you in your mind with pictures and words that you understand. Mm. So that's what I learned from them. <laughs> so did they say he's the most kindest being from earth or like the most kindest no. being in the galaxy? Yeah, not only in the universe, but in the universes that he is on a mission. He is the son of God mm -hmm. And that is his job. He goes from place to place wherever he is needed to help the people. And, you know, he's going to return. It's a promise. And there is hope, no matter how bad things get, that things will turn out the way it's supposed to. Mm. The earth will survive, and humans will survive, but it's going to get awful rough. <laughs> mm. So, and I can see that in handwriting on the wall now with this COVID-19 and all this stuff that's going on, this might get very wicked, more so than it is now already. Did they give you any kind of time frame when things are going to start happening? They are happening already now. We are starting what the Bible calls end times, but they mm -hmm. don't really consider it end times what this is. Go to your Bible and read the, the bowls and all that kind of stuff. It is true. But when these bowls are already all cracked, they aren't open all the way, but they are all cracked, and these things are seeping out a little bit at a time. And uh, no one knows. Absolutely no one knows. Anybody who gives you dates and times is foolish because they said there's only one person that knows when this is all going to happen, and that's God. Jesus doesn't even know. They said he's waiting for his marching papers from God. Mm. So even he doesn't know. So Interesting. How, 
<laughs> well, I find it's interesting because I think that generally Christianity will say Jesus is the son of God, but then he also is God, like the Trinity thing and the Holy Ghost. But it sounds like what you're saying is he's just the son of God. He's not God. He's the son of God. He is God's creation. Right. He is the closest thing to God, but he is a separate entity. Okay. So you know, okay. there's things that are a little hard to, to take, but I take them in. And I look for other things. Uh, As a group, we do a lot of reading. We do a lot of investigating. And we try to find stuff from other people that correlate with what we've been hearing and what we've heard from other people. And Mm -hmm. then try to make up our mind, whether it's true or false. Mm -hmm. That's all we can do is do our own research and find out what's important to each one of us. Mm -hmm. Um, NDEs are really big on my channel and I know we don't have time to go in depth with yours, but I just want to kind of quickly ask, you said you had three of them each time. Did you encounter Jesus or just on one of them? Um, no, three times I encountered Jesus. I also saw him on the planet. On the earth you mean, or on a different planet? On earth, in form. In the flesh? In the flesh, walking around. Wow. Does he look like what we usually, you know, see the paintings of him as, long hair and a beard, or is he different? Uh, well, you know, it, it was so shocking to me because it was on a Good Friday, and I was demonstrating in the grocery store. Hmm. And this being came in, and he was dressed like a human, except he had long hair. He wore a plaid shirt. He had jeans on, a pair of boots. And a long jean coat that came almost to the floor. But he walked without even touching the floor. He just floated along and his coat billowed behind him. And it was strange because I don't usually look at a man that close. Mm. And then I looked around and all the men were transfixed on looking at him and following him. They just, and it was on a good Friday between one and three o'clock it happened. And that, no, it can't be him. Why would he be here? You know, it's crazy. Uh, But he walked around the store and then he turned around to leave. I never did get a direct look at the face, but I knew it was him. I just felt it that this was Jesus. Hmm. Anyhow, he walked past me. He started to leave the store, and I had I was demonstrating gummy uh, graham cracker bears, and he was leaving, and I thought, I've got to follow him. I don't care if they fire me. So I took my product, and I hid it under my tray, and I followed him, and I was right by the checkouts, and he went walked through the checkouts and was walking towards the door and I managed to get to the checkouts at the time. There was a lot of people there on good Friday. And by the time I got to the door, I was running and I got outside and looked and he was nowhere to be seen. What I thought was very strange is that he had on this long jean 
coat. It should have been wrinkled from sitting. There wasn't a wrinkle in that coat at all. And his hair was uh, shoulder length, kind of brown and blonde all mixed together. And it bounced when he walked. But what amazed me was the number of men that were fascinated by this man. They all turned around and looked at him and followed him walking through the store. Not followed him, but with their eyes, they followed him. He had that magnetic of a personality. And I just knew this man was very, very special. Hmm. So, yeah, I I believe it was him. Hmm. I really do. Since you were a part of this group when you first started getting interested in UFOs and stuff, and you guys would go out and see stuff, do you think the average person can go outside and watch the sky and see stuff? Or can you give us tips on how to see UFOs if we want to? Well, I started by going out in a lounge chair and just sitting at night and just looking at the sky. And after a while, you learn to look at a part of the stars and keep your eye on there, then go on to another set of stars and look there and just keep focusing on different places in the sky. And I think eventually you'll see something, but it might be just a a bright light that's moving, you know, because it's very unusual to see shapes unless they're very, very close. Mm -hmm. I mean, I followed a, a, a triangular shaped one. I came home one night and it was over my garage and it started to move away and I followed it. I backed down the driveway and followed it. And I wound up out in the country and the next town over is the airport. So it has the red towel tire as a towers with red lights on. And I was watching and it was so low that it looked like it was going to smash into the towers. And I thought, oh, my God, it's going to crash. It flipped on its side and went through and then righted itself flat again and took off in three seconds. What was it? I don't think it was a normal airplane we have Mm -hmm. that would do that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I've had so much happen to me that sometimes I don't even believe it. It's hard for me to believe at times. Mm But I know what happened to me, and I live, I live an ordinary life. The very first time the alien ship was in front of your car, the alien kind of said, come, you know, would you like to come on in? Yeah. You weren't afraid at that time, like freaked out, I, terrorized, yes. or shocked? or how, What were you feeling? I was a little afraid. That's why I got out of the car and hid behind the door, mm. peeking off <laughs> through the glass you know, and I was I was scared. I was thinking about my family. If I go with them, will I ever be seen again? Will I ever see my family again? And what will happen to them? And because my kids were pretty small at that time. And when he focused, when he kind of threw his arm out, you know, like, oh, forget it. And he mm-hmm. started to leave. And I thought, well, if he's willing to leave, it would be stupid of me. You know, he's not taking me against my will. It would be stupid for me not to go and find out 
if it's real. Mm-hmm. So I did, and I found out it was real. Mm. <laughs> so a whole new chapter started. Mm. Um, I don't know if yep. you, I don't yep, know. Is. I don't know if you're willing to talk about this or not because you've kind of went shh. But um, if you are, do you have an alien implant? And can you tell us anything else about it? I do not have an alien implant. I do not have one. By the way, if you have one, you can get rid of it. Hmm. (laughs) It it takes a lot of work. Uh, And the aliens have taught us that with understanding and realizing that it's not part of your body and you can encapsulate it so that it doesn't work or you can expel it through your skin. Mm. It's not something you have to keep, Mm. but it's not an easy job. You know, that's for sure. And I believe in my, one of my books, there is uh, ways of doing that. Mm. (laughs) Uh, while we're on the subject of your books, where do we find your books at? Well, you can go to, uh, I got, got it here written down so I don't get it wrong, thelightsidechronicles.org. And that has the 40 years of our experiences. We're adding about once a week. We also have my two books on there. They're ebooks. You can take them, you can read them, they're free. Uh, we are giving all this information away. We eventually hope to have almost everything that was channeled material mm-hmm. on the on this blog. We also have another one called the lightsidechronicles.org. And those are little tips tips of wisdom. Little bitty, you know, like one sentence of something that we thought Wow, that's pretty neat. That's interesting. I think maybe maybe we should do something just on that kind of thing. So, and we are going to be doing a third book. And we're working on it now. And that is going to be on hope. Hope for the future. What the aliens have told us about the future and uh, what we can look forward to. And the understanding that they have about uh, how things are going to play out. Mm -hmm. And it's just all the positive things that the aliens have told us Mm -hmm. about love, compassion, understanding, and hope. Mm -hmm. And hope, I think, is the most important thing we as humans can have. Mm -hmm. It's the most important thing. Um. What do you think your mission is here on planet Earth? Well, you know what? I really don't know the full full thing of it, and I maybe never will. But I really think that it's to share this information. Years ago, we were told to write, write a book, probably 25 years ago. <laughs> and we just didn't feel like it was time because there was so much, uh, oh, I got from all the people on the circuit. Oh, 
you are being fooled. There's no such thing as positive aliens. And unless you're abducted and implanted and you have serious things said to you, you are being fooled. You are wrong. And for years we heard that. And finally we said, that's not the truth. They're, they're telling people lies. And we decided to write the books that, yes, there are positive aliens. And yes, they are here. They cannot do the work for us. We have to do it ourselves. But they're willing to give us suggestions on how to do it and how to survive the things that are coming. So I, I don't know if that's my full mission. I have no idea, but it's getting late in my life. Mm-hmm. I, I'm in my late 70s, and um, I knew it was time this stuff had to come out. That's why we are doing this now, mm-hmm. because we don't have much time left, especially me. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> yeah. And I really worry about my grandchildren, right. what the planet's going to be like for them. So, you know that I really have trouble with Christians. Oh wow! <laughs> oh, but well, that's all right. I'm sure. If, I'm sure if when they hear that Jesus was at the grocery store, they probably uh, really object to that. I imagine so, but I don't care. I don't care. You know, we all have our own opinions, and I didn't believe in UFOs either until I was shown that they exist. Mm-hmm. So right now I'm to the point where I almost believe anything, especially if I heard it or see it from different people. Right. Do you know anything about the Galactic Federation? Uh, Yes, a little bit. Confederation, the Galactic Confederation, they are alive and well, (laughs) and they're working together. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, because... Um, Our members... And even the Galactic Federation doesn't get along on everything. Right. Because everybody has their own ideas on how things should be done. So, right. You know, but I think we humans have got to learn. And we were, we were told in a session that unless we change our ways, we will not be welcome out in space. Mm-hmm. Unless we tone down our warlike attitudes that we won't be welcomed. And I find it very interesting that we were so gung-ho to get to the moon and all of a sudden nothing is done again. Yeah. Were we told not to come back? I don't know. I have no idea. But it makes me wonder. (laughs) Yeah. So, anybody has an answer, I'm willing to listen. Do you have any other projects that you're working on that you want us to know about? Um, you know, just the book, which is, which is very hard because the first book I wrote myself, the second book, we each had a, a part of it. And this one, we're trying to decide what to include, what not to include, but we, and what we learned, not necessarily, we're not going to do questions and answers, questions and answers. We're going to do what we learned. And how we use it in our own lives, like intuition. Mm -hmm. How do you practice intuition? Well, I practice it by going down a different street. Every time I go someplace, 
you know, and then I look in the paper, did something happen in that area? Was that why I decided to go someplace else? You know, one time my husband had to fly to the East Coast for his job. And we got up in the morning and I looked at it and I said, don't take that airplane. Please don't take that airplane. And we got to the airport and he decided at the last minute he wasn't going to take the airplane. So he took a bus. The airplane crashed. Wow. That I don't know. Was it just something that happened? I, I don't know. But I think it's it's trying to tune in to what's going on around you. Yeah, I think it's very important. Mm. Yeah, so we're going to be putting stuff like that in this book, how, how they talked about using your intuition and how you can hone your intuition and what we learned and how it affected our lives mm -hmm. so that and there was four of us working on it. So you, they'll be finding four different ways people, we have used it in our own personal lives. So I think that would help, help other people. Mm. <laughs> we all have hope. Mm. All right. Well, unfortunately, I'm confined by time here with this podcast. So before we wrap it up, do you have one last message that you want to share with us? Uh, things may get worse, but they will get better. That these aliens have promised us things will get better. But we have to work at it also. They're not going to do it. They can give us suggestions. They've given us suggestions over years. But we have to do the work. We can't sit back and say, okay, take care of me. No, it doesn't work like that. Yeah. We all have to work. We all have to take care of our families. We all have to, you know, do certain things. And that's true in life, and it's true in the existence of the planet. All right. Thank you for that. And... <laughs> Thank you very much for giving me your time. I really appreciate you being my guest, and I wish you massive success on all the projects you're involved in. <laughs> well, we're trying. We're trying. And I just want to say bless everyone, and always remember there's hope. There's hope. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> Thank you for having me. And thank you for being my guest. Have a great night, Bonnie. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.